Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School Class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. Let's start with our uh, scripture memory passage review. Now, today's is is pretty straightforward, so I was kind of hoping that we'd have a lot. I don't know. We'll see. Revelation 4.11. And you can sing it, too. So if you you know this one as a song, you can sing it. I'm happy to... I won't sing along, but I'll I'll smile as you you recite. So, all right, we got... Miss Amy, Miss Carrie, and Skip. Nice. Oh, I know it's up there. It's all right. I know. All right. We ready? Let's do it, Miss Amy. For you are worthy, O Lord. He is. Worthy of glory and honor and yes. power. For you created all things. Yes. By your will, all things exist and were created. Isn't there a lot of doctrine in that? Yes. It's just a lot of stuff in that verse. So don't think about the overwhelming, amazing amount of theology in that verse, Carrie. Just focus on the words, and I know you can do it. So. Yes. For by your will you created all things. Yep. No. For you created all things. Yes. By your will right. they were created. They exist and were created. Yes. Very good. Excellent. Nice job. And the happy dance after it. All right, Skip, here we go. You are worthy, O Lord, yes. to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. Yes. By your will, they exist and were created. Nice. Good job. Excellent work. Excellent work. Sometimes I feel awkward when the verses are addressed directly to God and people are saying them to me. It's like, I, I want to move over here because that's not for me. That's like for him. So that's the way that works. All right. So let's uh, look at your handout in the middle of the table. Uh, and yes, it is four pages long today. And no, we will not be going over today. We will get done on time uh, because I'm going to skim the surface of this today. So a couple things. So today is week nine of the sixth part of Grudem's Systematic Theology. Uh, Today is also uh, two chapters in one. So we are doing chapter uh, 52 and 53 today, which comprises about 80 pages of his book. And there's about 80 more pages to go in section seven of the book. So we are uh, rapidly moving through the rest of the book. We've got four more weeks in Grudem after this lesson today. So after today, Dave Barber is going to come and talk to us for two weeks. And then we'll go verse by verse through Haggai, because I've never done that before. And then uh, we'll come back and do the seventh part of Grudem's Systematic Theology, which is the Doctrine of the Future. There's four weeks to that. And then we'll be in December, and we'll do something Christmas-themed in December. And we'll start 2017, which is... Romans, yes, verse by verse through Romans. So it may be 2019 before we're done, but we're going to start in 2017. We'll see how it works. All right, so this is the ninth week of uh, the Doctrine of the Church. We've looked at a lot of different stuff, uh, but today we're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit. 
And Grudem talks about in chapter 52 at the very beginning of the chapter that, that this type of a topic really doesn't even belong in a systematic theology textbook because it's, it's too far down in the weeds, it's too specific, but because it is such a common, well-known uh, discussion point in Christianity today, he includes it. And he has two chapters on it, which is why you have a two physical piece of paper handout today. One is chapter 52, one is chapter 53. We're going to spend most of our time in chapter 52, which is talking about spiritual gifts in general. And then chapter 53 gets into some of the specific spiritual gifts uh, and hones in a little on those. So let's get a couple definitions first. So a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. That's your first blank. Of the church. <clears throat> So as Grudem's typical pattern, he starts uh, way, way back and kind of works his way forward. So if we think back through uh, the Old Testament and you think in the Old Testament and you think about how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was absolutely present in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit typically worked in a bit of a different way because the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody for a very specific thing and then would leave and would come on and would leave, which is one of the reasons David could pray the prayer, take not your Holy Spirit from me, because the Holy Spirit would come and would go. And, it, and I still believe, and I probably will believe to my dying day, that one of the greatest gifts that we have as a new covenant believer is the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit does not leave, which is amazing. But we have God inside of us permanently. And if you don't get anything else today, that is a beautiful gift. I want you to, on your handout, circle the word gifts. Just circle the word gifts. Because what I love is that the Holy Spirit Himself is a gift, and He gives us gifts as well. Our God, all members of the Trinity, are passionate about gift giving. The Father gave the Son. The Son gave Himself and the Spirit gives Himself and gifts. They are passionate about gift-giving. We, we have a beautiful, beautiful trinity that we serve. So if you think about the Old Testament, the first verse here that's highlighted, and for those of you that are new, highlighted verses means we're going to look those up in the actual Scripture. So that Joel 2, 28 and 29. Probably should have told you that about five minutes ago so you can find Joel. Uh, but it takes a sec to find Joel. I'll give you a second to get there. So, so the, the Joel passage is a really neat one, um, and it actually... You see fulfillment of it later on in Acts, and we'll look in Acts as well. So Joel 2, 28 and 29. You got it, Dave? Yep. Awesome. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my man, men servants and my maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. Absolutely. So something is coming that is not like now, which is, a, if you want a summary of all the prophets, that's kind of how the prophets work. You know, something is coming that is not like now. It's either judgment or some positive reward, but something in the future is going to happen. So if you think about a time from that period, so we're in Joel, so we're B.C., looking forward in time, what would be a date looking forward in time where the spirit was poured out upon flesh? Pentecost. Pentecost, right? Absolutely. So that's what we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. So let's look at 2.16 first. Um, who's got Acts 2.16? But 
this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Absolutely. And, and that's the summary of all of what's just come to pass. And Acts 1.8 is what? Can you scroll that fast? Yep. yep. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Right. And, and we've seen this in the Old Testament before where power comes upon somebody. Um, sometimes it's physical strength. So you think about Samson, right? So he has this physical strength to do these mighty things. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's prophetic strength to be able to speak God's words and to be able to say things that are going to happen in the future and pronounce His judgments. But in the New Testament, the Spirit comes and the Spirit stays. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It changes everything. So the purpose of spiritual gifts in the New Testament age is to equip the church and to carry out its ministry until Christ returns. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 12. And then we're going to look at Ephesians 4, 12. And then we'll start to get into the stuff that's a bit disputed. And we'll have some fun. All right, so who's got 1 Corinthians 14, 12? Got it? Whoop. We'll go here and then here. Excellent. So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Yeah, which means what? We're going to seek to abound for the edification of the church. It's kind of clunky language. We probably wouldn't use that phraseology today, but use it, to help the church. use it to help the church, right? Absolutely. This is not for you. So we get these gifts not for us. We get these gifts to use in the body. And this is a good, good thing, right? Because... If you need something done and you need to be able to empower people to do it, how best to do it than to equip all the members, all the parts for the building up of the whole? Because if, if God structured the church so that it was all about you and hyper-focused on you and you and you and you, that doesn't lend you to think about others very much. But if He gives us these gifts for the purpose of sharing and helping and serving others, that keeps my focus off of me and on others, which is a very healthy place to be. That ensures that we are looking outward and not inward all the time. So the Ephesians text, you got it? Yep. I'm going to read the verse before. Yes, thank you. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Absolutely. So we have here, which is something interesting, we see apostles, right? And we see, do we see pastors in there as well? Yeah. yeah. So we see offices mixed in with some of the actual gifts, which is some we're going to get into in just a second. So we, we see this kind of churning together of ideas, but this point is for the church. It is not for individual edification or building up. It is for the church. So if you want to write in your notes, for the church, that would be a good thing to write in your notes and to circle it and to point it back to the gifts. When I was studying this week, it was a lot of pointing and directing and arrows and lines going everywhere, but uh, it's for the church. This is what this is for. So the question comes in point number three, how many gifts are there? Here we go. You ready? Do you see the small font listed in your handout there? And all of the different lists. So you got the list that shows the 1 Corinthians uh, 12. You see the list that's got the first, another list that's got 1 Corinthians 12. You see Ephesians 4. You see Romans 12. You see 1 Corinthians 7. You see 1 Peter 4. Uh, there is not agreement in the body of Christ that those are lists of the gifts of the Spirit. There is absolutely not agreement. So 
What Grudem does is he takes a very broad view of what might be gifts of the Spirit, and he looks for overlap. And where you see, you see under the 1 Corinthians 12, you see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, right? And then if you look under the 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, you see 9, 10, 11, and then what's the next number? 5, but the 5's in parentheses. So like, what's he doing here? Well, he's referencing back saying this gift shows up in both of those lists. And the next one is miracles. So it, it shows up again. And then prophecy. And then we have a new one, distinguishing between spirits. And then tongues again. And then interpretation of tongues. That's a new one. Then you come over to Ephesians 4. Then you get apostle again. And then you get prophet again. But then there's evangelist and pastor teacher. And then you start to say, but yeah, Jim, but some of these are offices and not gifts, right? Maybe. Probably. Maybe not. I don't know. How does he define these lists? He lumps them all together, right? So I want you to think that sometimes what Paul does, you know, Paul's the king of the comma, right? There's just commas everywhere when you see Paul. And sometimes what he does is he has these beautifully ordered, structured lists, and everything is neat and tidy, and he puts a bow on it, and it's great. And sometimes the Holy Spirit tells him to put a whole bunch of ideas in a blender, and they blended it up, and it comes out. And you're going, well, what's, like, what's that about? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to take a position this morning that I'm not going to be, how do I want to say this, an arrogant jerk uh, about uh, assuming whether or not these are definitively gifts or definitively offices or how they overlap. Because I have good brothers and sisters that love Jesus Christ, that are passionate about spreading the gospel, that agree both ways on this. And, and there, now, I, I will say this at the same time, and at the same time, I've still got a little jerk in me. Uh, there are some real ramifications to believing all of these things are gifts. There absolutely are. And we do not have time. If we had a six-hour Sunday school class, we would not have time to explore all of those. Now, you guys know that Wayne Grudem talked through his own book in his Sunday school class in Phoenix. He did this several years ago. Grudem took six weeks to talk about the stuff we're going to talk about just this morning. And that was his condensed version. And he said probably ten times in those six weeks, oh, I, I, just, I wish we had a little more time on this. I wish we had a little more time on this. So we're skipping a rock again today. That's what we're doing, skipping a rock. So, so, the, so I, want you to take, I want you to take 30 seconds and read through the lists. Just read through them. I would be remiss if we didn't just actually read the words. covers a lot of stuff, doesn't it? These are really, really broad. I want to draw your attention to number 16 for just a second. Number 16. This is my note. So we have a lot of opportunities to serve one another for the building up and the edifying of the body, right? All right. We have another need in Sunday school. We announced a couple of weeks ago that we needed two more folks to help out bringing breakfast with Sunday school. You know what we got? We got two more folks to help out bringing breakfast with Sunday school. It's awesome. So we got the first week of the month covered, the second week of the month covered, the third week of the month covered, and the fourth week of the month covered. What does that not cover? 
The fifth week, because every once in a while we have a fifth week. So we need somebody to serve breakfast on the fifth Sunday of the month, and if somebody needs a hand every once in a while as a backup. So wave your hand at us. If you can help with that, that's the lady you need to see. That's Miss Jessica, and uh, she can get you hooked up with that. So that's my shameless plug for helping Sunday school and using the spiritual gifts to get what we need done. Because that's, I think, what Paul does here, too, by telling them, here's all the different ways that the Holy Spirit gifts us. So get busy. And if you, if you want to take a look at these gifts and go, you know what? I don't think anybody in our church is doing that one. Dive in. Just because you're not gifted doesn't mean you can't serve. That'll get a man shot in a Baptist church right there. But <laughs> serve. You may like it. You never know. You never know. All right, so the thing that I want to focus on for just a second is the 1 Peter 4.11. So look at those, uh, those two items there. So whoever speaks and whoever renders service. So this is speaking and serving. And most theologians would say, if you want the highest level organizational structure you can possibly find for all the gifts, they will all fit in one of these two categories. Speaking gifts or serving gifts. Now, tonight, I think, I think, I need to check my bulletin, Tonight, we are offering Growth Track 3, yes, at our Hickson campus and our Saudi Daisy campus. And if you go and attend Growth Track 3, you will be taught something a slightly bit different. You will be taught serving gifts, speaking gifts, and it's alliterative. And I know you can't imagine that it would be alliterative. And what? Anybody remember? Sign gifts, right? So... So we organize them that way so that we can kind of draw an X through the sign gifts and say, and those have gone away. And we'll get to that in a minute. But you could take each one of the sign gifts and categorize them under the speaking and the serving. So those are two very broad umbrellas when you're thinking about, if if you're like me and everything's got to have structure. It's got to fit in an Excel spreadsheet, and if it doesn't fit in an Excel spreadsheet, you haven't looked at it long enough, uh, and you just need to look at it longer. So that's typically the way that I approach life. So... So you can take all of those different components and put them under that structure. All right. Now, you can also look at that li- those lists and see that there's some overlap between those. That, that you could say, well, this seems like it could kind of get up in this one's business a little bit. Absolutely. And Grudem takes the position that because of that, you're going to see a lot of different expressions of these. And no two people's spiritual gifts are going to look exactly alike. So the question then is, are these definitive lists of all the gifts? Some people would say, absolutely. God has clearly outlined exactly what the gifts are. And others would say, obviously not. There's not one list in Scripture where a single gift shows up in all of them. So if you don't have a single list where they're all alike, how how can this be a definitive list? You know what my answer is? What do you think my answer is? There you go. You got it. I have no idea. There are people that have studied this for hundreds of years that are still wrangling with it. And I... I don't know. What I want to do this morning is to show you the different ends of the spectrum, to show you the breadth of the ideas of belief in this space. You will probably walk out this morning going, what does he believe? I believe what the Bible says. And where it is clear, that is very helpful. And where it is not, guess what I have? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit as the gift of God in my life, which is fantastic. And please don't forget that we are not designed to know it all here and now. We just won't. So Dr. Grudem, who um, 
who I have begun to pray for every day because he is sick. And I don't know if y'all know he's sick, but he's sick and he's dying. Uh, and it's going to be a slow, horrible death because he's got a degenerative disease and his mind is going to go at some point and his body is going to go and it's going to be awful. Um, so pray for Dr. Grudem if you would. But there's errors in this book. Right? There's stuff in here that's just not right. And he will tell you, I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. And I've got some resources listed in your handout today from John MacArthur. <laughs> and there's errors in his books. And he'll tell you that too. And it's all right. Because we're all looking through the glass darkly. Turn the light out, hold up a glass, and try to read something. That's how we're interpreting things right now. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we'd be in even more darkness. So, that's the slow part of today's lesson. Buckle up. All right, here we go. Uh, number four, gifts may vary in strength. Have you ever seen somebody that went, oh my goodness. That is, on a scale of one to ten, they have an eleven of this, right? Absolutely. You know why that's happening like that? Because the Holy Spirit decided it happened like that. He's the one that determines and decides this person has these gifts, this person has these gifts, and the intensity level. And at the same time, you can take a gift and do nothing with it. We are about to move in the next two weeks. And as part of the moving process, we are packing up everything that we own. And we're going through and evaluating, do we need this? And my answer, y'all know what my answer is, right? What's my answer? Throw it away. My answer is throw it away. <laughs> My answer is give it away. My answer is don't take it with us. That is not the answer of everyone in my home. Um, but there are, there, are, there are a few things that I look at and I go, I don't like that, but I have to keep it because somebody that I care about gave it to me. And the, the giver made the gift significant to me. Does that make sense? The giver made the gift significant to me. Wow. Oh, because you want to toss it. All right, I'm behind. Sorry. I was like way behind. Still want to toss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're killing me. And I'm, I've lost it right there. It's gone. I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing. Say it again. Gifts vary by strength. Gifts vary by strength. That's where I was. Yes. I still have no idea where I was going with that. Sorry. Oh, we're going to get rid of things. Yes, we're getting rid of things. And uh, the idea being there's stuff that I want to keep because it's, it's, it's got emotional or, uh, yeah, it's emotional significance to me, right? And depending on who you are, everything can be done. It can, yes. It absolutely can. Uh, it's called hoarding. And yes. Uh, and... I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to take that off the podcast, aren't I? Yeah, that's probably him. Sorry. sorry, Lord. It does hurt sometimes. Um, yeah, I still have no idea where I was going to go with it. That's all right. We'll just skip that part. <laughs> Gifts may vary in strength. Uh, oh, I know where I was going to go. Where's Miss uh, Sherry? There's Miss Sherry. Do you teach? Yeah. You teach the little ones, right? Yeah. Yes, excellent. And you enjoy that, right? Yes. Would you enjoy speaking on a Sunday morning in front of 400 people? <laughs> no, uh, I wouldn't mind it at all. Cool, bring it. That's great. But I would be terrified to sit and try to explain theology to your puggles. 
Cubbies. Cubbies, sorry. Whoop, cubbies. <laughs> Huggles over here. That's even more terrifying. Oh, my goodness. But God gives us abilities and talents for the purpose of building up the body of Christ, right? And that's okay. That's good. They vary in strength, and they vary in expression. And this is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, so next question. Is number five on your handout? All right. Do Christians possess gifts temporarily or permanently? That is a great question. Well, the Holy Spirit gives them, and they are for the building up of the church. So in some sense, all of the gifts that we get will end when Christ returns and we have glorified bodies because we won't need gifts of the Spirit at that point. We'll have a right and true relationship with, with God, and those gifts will go away. So in some sense, all gifts are temporary because they will end at the end of our lives. But in some sense, some gifts are very permanent that He's going to give these to us and we keep for the duration of our lives. So there's a couple different ways that you can answer that question. Uh, are seven and eight on your handout? Seven is not, right? Yes, seven is. Seven is? All right. We're just going to go to eight. Uh, gifts are tools for ministry and not necessarily related to Christian maturity. So just because we have a specific gift does not mean that we are mature, right? So we get gifts, we believe, at, at the moment of conversion, and, and it's possible that you could get gifts after conversion, uh, but if you get a gift at conversion, do you think somebody that's just been converted is a mature believer? Absolutely not. And you've got an immature gift that needs to be developed and honed and taught and practiced and worked on and counseled and guided and loved and directed and all of these beautiful things that just take time. It is not something that's going to happen overnight. And I can take a gift. Here we go. This is where I was going with it. I can take a gift that means something to me because it's got value from the giver, but I can put it in a closet and never think about it again, and that gift is not going to develop. We found something that uh, my grandmother, who has now died, uh, gave our family. And it wasn't our style, so it's not something we're going to sit on the dining room table. We put it in a closet, and we keep it because it's got some value because she gave it to us. But I have chosen not to display or really uh, make a big fuss about that particular thing, and I forgot about it. And it wasn't, use it wasn't used or really useful because of where I put it. And we can do the exact same thing with our gifts. We can decide that we are not going to use them. And that is not a good thing. Because if the almighty creator of the universe decided to give you something, it feels like we ought to use it. That's as preachy as I'm going to get today. All right? All right. Here we go. Have some gifts ceased? This is the cessationist debate. All right. This word right here, C-E-S-S. A-T-I-O-N-A-L-I-S-T, cessationalist. So there are three different views, roughly, on this. No, 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 no. Every day, every day, I look at it and use it. Every day. And it reminds me that, and I actually use, it fits perfectly by my lower back, and it reminds me that you've got my back. So, thank you. Um, she sent me a text and said that she wants the pillow back that she made for you. She ain't getting the pillow back. It's mine. That, that, that gift both has value from the giver and the actual gift intrinsic to itself. So you ain't getting that back. You can pry that from my cold, dead hands. So. Um, <laughs> all right, so this is the, the range of the gifts, of the ideas of gifts. All right, so I just want you to think about this for a second. 
So cessationalists would believe that the New Testament time period, after the time of the apostles, all of the gifts, or almost all of the gifts, stopped. Okay? It kind of makes me a little nervous there, a little bit, right? And then continuationalists would believe that all of the gifts, or almost all of the gifts, continue. Kind of makes me a little nervous there, too. And y'all know me. I'm always in the middle. I'm stuck in the middle, right? Uh, this is kind of where I'm at. I think, I think they're still going. And I think there's plenty of room to be open-handed on which ones and how this works and how we relate to each other. So this, in here, Grudem will tell you he is a continuationalist. Uh, and he, in my notes, I have Pentecostal-ish, like charismatic is the way to describe Grudem. He, he wants to believe all of it. It's almost like uh, Mulder and Scully on uh, the X-Files. It, the way he writes, he wants to believe all of it, but he hasn't experienced some of it, but he's leaving that door open in case one day he does, which, okay, that's where he's at. All right, so that's point B. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13 is kind of the key passage in that discussion and debate, so if you want to know more about that, that is where you want to go. I have also listed a couple of resources there. So the thing I love about Grudem is both the fact that he lists resources that disagree with him and point number eight. I think point number eight summarizes Grudem's approach to systematic theology the entire book. And this is why we have used him and not somebody else. Here's your blank. A final note, cessationalists and charismatics need each other. Now, you could put the word hate in there, but don't. I want you to put the word need. They need each other. I'm going to read you something. It can be argued that those in the charismatic and Pentecostal camps and those in the cessationalist camp, primarily Reformed and dispensational Christians, really need each other and that they would do well to appreciate each other more. The former tend to have more practical experience in the use of spiritual gifts and in vitality and worship that cessationalists could benefit from if they were willing to learn. On the other hand, Reformed and dispensational groups have traditionally been very strong in understanding of Christian doctrine and in deep and accurate understanding of the teachings of Scripture. Charismatic and Pentecostal groups could learn much from them if they would be willing to do so. But it's certainly not helpful to the church as a whole for both sides to think they can learn nothing from the other or that they can gain no benefit from fellowship with each other. That's where I'm at on that. I, he, he does a beautiful job of saying, talk to each other. Right? The body of Christ is huge. It is huge, and it is diverse, and it is beautiful. And when we get to heaven, I think we will go, wow, how cool is that? That is amazing, because I thought they were a raging pagan. Because I like to ball my fist up and argue whenever I can, because dang it, I'm right. No, I'm generally not. All right, so page three of your handout, which I think is page 19 at the bottom, right? Is that it? Good. So chapter 53, he goes into specific spiritual gifts. He kind of dives into some more specifically. So we're going to talk about prophecy for just a second. Here's his definition. Should be, uh, should not be should be defined not as predicting the future, nor as proclaiming a word from the Lord, nor as powerful preaching, but rather as telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. And then he lists several passages there from Acts and Thessalonians and Corinthians. And if you take that definition and you read the passages where prophecy comes up in the New Testament, that definition fits really, really well. And I think what Grudem argues for here is that the word prophecy has been taken by modern churches and expanded to the point. You know what happens when you expand a rubber band too far, right? 
It breaks, yeah. And, and he would argue that, that modern definitions of prophecy, it has broken and it is not being used as it is used actually in the New Testament. So I think it was a beautiful little argument there. But I would want you to go read those verses on your own and see how that definition fits really, really well. So then he talks about teaching for just a sec. So gift of teaching in the New Testament is the ability to explain Scripture and apply it to people's what? Lives, yes. Absolutely. He talks about miracles. Uh, Whenever you see the the gift of miracles in the New Testament, it is literally uh, the plural of the word dunamis, which is the, the word for dynamite that we get. It's just... It's literally the word powerful. It's like just powers. And it's very vague. And it's very generic. And it's not really directed at anything specific. So Grudem's definition is very broad. He says it's uh, any kind of activity where God's mighty power is evident. When I read that section, I went back, when I got to the end of it, I thought, that sounds like superheroes could fit in there. I went back to the beginning of that section and read it again. Superheroes could absolutely fit under Grudem's definition of miracles. It would, that would be the quintessential definition of miracles for Grudem, would be superheroes. When I'm done with this, I'm going to send him a note about, here's the seven or eight things that I was really helped by in the book and whatnot. And that's going to, that's going to make the list now. Is that I think you make room for superheroes. So. All right, so healing. I want to talk about healing. And then I want to talk about uh, tongues and interpretation just very, very briefly. Uh, and then we'll be done. So let's talk about healing for just a sec. So why are we sick? Sin is why we are sick, right? And there will be sickness in this earth as long as this earth is around. Until Jesus comes back and makes all things right, there will continue to be sickness. Right? All right, great. With that being said, uh, what would the purpose of healing be? So why would God give some folks in the New Testament the ability to heal? Because I think you're going to be very hard-pressed to read through the New Testament and say that God did not give some folks the ability to heal. I mean, this is pretty straightforward. At one point, I think it was Paul, they they sent a handkerchief of his somewhere, and the handkerchief healed somebody. And you're going, I mean, I carry a handkerchief. It it ain't ever done that. (laughs) I mean, ever. Not even close. Right? It's exactly right, because, I mean, that's what I'm going to blow snot into. That's just not, you know, that is not helpful to anybody else, right? And, and the idea being here is that there's some very specific purposes to healing in the New Testament. So I'm going to read you some expanded definitions of what you have in your handout. So a sign to authenticate the gospel message and to show that the kingdom of God has come. It brings comfort and health to those who are ill, right? I mean, if you're no longer sick, you're better. Good. Don't, don't miss that as a benefit. It equips people for service as physical impediments to ministry are removed. If you think about uh, the widow Dorcas, she died, right? And the other widows are standing around her dead body, tugging on the apostle, going, you got to bring her back. We can't do this without her. I mean, that is, you talk about beautiful. So you know what he does? He brings her back. She's not dead anymore. No, don't cry at that. That's awesome. This is good stuff. (laughs) The the lady gets up from the dead. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So she is now able to go and to do more work. And that helped the body of Christ. That was a benefit to the church. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It provides opportunity for God to be glorified. Because do you you think those other widows standing around Dorcas' dead body had a story to tell? (laughs) 
You better believe they had a story to tell. That was an amazing story. That one probably would have made the Babylon Bee. Um, There we go. All right, so what about the use of medicine? Is that one in your notes? Are the verses for medicine in your notes? No? Okay. Go to the handout online. It is really good stuff there. So talking about proper uses of medicine and improper uses of medicine in the Bible. I had not thought about these texts before as uses for that. Really neat stuff. Um, What are the typical ways that the New Testament uh, shows healing occurs? Well, the most common is you lay hands on somebody, right? Then there's anointing with oil. That's a common healing method in the New Testament. And then sometimes it's just, it's just faith, right? So the, the guys that cut a hole in the roof and dropped their friend through the not dropped, but lowered their friend through the roof. <laughs> but another miracle that Jesus would have needed to do if they dropped him, right? <laughs> lowered their friend through the roof, and the guy gets up and takes his bed and he walks. That's beautiful. Well, he didn't, he didn't I don't know that he, had, he laid his hands on him. I mean, you don't think that he anointed him with oil. It was just faith made that happen. It was just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. How then should we pray for healing? 3 John 2. I do want to look at this verse real quick. 3 John 2. Some of y'all are nervous. I'm not going to finish. You don't know what I have in mind. It's okay. Breathe for me. 3 John 2. Now, 3 John's a little bitty book. Like little bitty. It's like half a page in most of your books. So, Who's got it? You got it? Awesome. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Yeah, which is great, right? So, so we have an apostle. We have the Apostle John praying for people to be healthy. So is it okay for us to pray to be healthy? I feel like we have the go-ahead on this one. I feel like we have the go-ahead to pray for each other to be healthy because John was praying for somebody else to be healthy. This is a good thing. Uh, this is a good thing. And then what if God doesn't heal? Insert awkward pause here, right? Not at all. Then God is still the master and the maker of the universe. He is still the creator of all things. He is still the great physician. And He will heal the believer one day. Your healing may not come here, but your healing will happen one day. And this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful truth for the believer. And this to me is one of the shocking horrors of living a life without Christ. Because that pain and that hurt and that sickness will only get worse. And that should stir us on to spread the message of hope, to spread the message of the gospel. Because I want more people to experience this healing that we are going to get one day. All right, tongues and interpretation. 1 Corinthians 14. If you want to know more about that, go to 1 Corinthians 14. Then we come to F. (laughs) Told you, you didn't know what I was going to do there, did you? Then we come to F, a word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And Grudem's caution here is that this is the only verse in the New Testament that talks about this. We should be very careful because there's not another, there's not a setting and a context in which it occurs. It's just kind of a comment and away it goes. So we need to be very, very careful about assuming too much about this. And then the last one is distinguishing between spirits and spiritual warfare. Uh, again, just one verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 2, that talks about this and then it's commended in 1 John 4, 1, and that is the list of the spiritual gifts that he covers in chapter 53. Boom. I told you you would get out on time today. Yes? Maybe not? All right. I need to share something. Okay. So I have been told by Daryl I have to finish on time today. So if we can do it quickly, that's great. If we can't, then we'll need to do it next week. Okay. Um, there's a lot of people that think that the laying on hands 
not working these days that it, from the past. Mm -hmm. um, but I have experienced that. Um, my scoliosis was healed. I'm now taller. Um, I don't have the lung complications yep. that I once had. Who healed you? Um, God. That's right. Good. Um, and that's, that, to me, is the problem that some folks have when they explain it. It's like, I healed so-and-so. No, 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 no. Vessel, conduit, working through, the Lord healed you. Isn't that awesome? So I don't have you know, the health problems that I once had. I still have some, yeah. but they're not near what they could have been. That's awesome. Thank you for that. That's beautiful. Cool. That was worth mentioning, wasn't it? All right, so we've got to do prayer requests. So there's a, there's a page in the middle of your table called the Weekly Update. And I need you guys to lean in and share prayer requests with each other. And take a look and see if anything needs to be updated, because I bet there's some stuff that needs to be updated. My teacher notes from this morning are 13 pages long, and they are online at the website address at the bottom. So typical lesson for me is four pages. A long one is five. This was 13. So if you want to know more about these areas, there is plenty, plenty, plenty to learn. And don't forget about the resources that I put on the handout. There's four books there to learn more about those as well. Pray as a table, and then you are dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today.